3: Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
4: Welcome to Good Morning Football. We are live in New York City. It is Thursday, July 13th. I'm Sarah Walsh. Alongside Cameron Wolf, we've got... Seahawks safety Julian Love, and now we've got free agent Super Bowl champion defensive tackle Malik Jackson joining us.
5: Yeah!
4: First first show, I mean, Julian's a grizzled veteran now. You've done this show how many times?
5: This is my third now.
4: Grizzled veteran and Malik's new to the table.
6: Yes, I'm the rookie now. Rookie, <laughs> rookie all over again. Rookie. It's been a long
5: time since you've been a rookie, right? Been a long
6: time. Now. I'm back to a novelist now. I don't know anything. <laughs> oh.
4: Don't date him. We were just talking about how when you come into the league and the ages of everyone and then you just start to um, – and I was saying that about myself even when you mm-hmm. see the year that guys are born now. So, anyway, Cam, don't bring up a sore <laughs> subject. It is, I'll get us out of this. Time now for the lead block.
6: Lead, lead block.
4: Lead. Let's start with the Browns. They missed the postseason in 2022, wide receiver Amari Cooper underwent core muscle surgery. He has missed some of his offseason work, but that doesn't concern quarterback Deshaun Watson. Here's what Watson had to say about Cooper being ready for the regular season. He said, quote, he's a guy that's a vet, been in the league a while, so you know he knows exactly what he needs to do to be ready for the season and training camp. Our chemistry is going to be tight. We have been hanging out and just going to continue to build that chemistry. So Watson says his chemistry is going to be tight with Amari this season. He says the two are hanging out. We heard Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow talk about this and how important it is for these receivers and their quarterback to spend time away from the field. Guys, what do the Browns need to do to be a surprise playoff team in 2023, Cam.
3: Yeah, it's got to start with the quarterback, Deshaun Watson. The, he needs to be the superstar quarterback they traded for him to be. And you could just remind people of what they paid him after they made that trade. You got a situation where you're paying a quarterback like Deshaun Watson the most guaranteed money that any player has ever received, and you need that type of value. And we need to see the version of Deshaun where he was in Houston, where he's putting up crazy numbers, third in completion percentage, first in passing yards, first in yards per attempt. He was one of the best three to five quarterbacks in football. And last year, whether it was the rust, whether it was suspension, we didn't get that version of him early. And we know the Browns have Nick Chubb. We know they have a solid defense, particularly on the passing side of the ball. They need that quarterback to step up. And, Sarah, I, I, you're the resident Sarah uh, soccer expert here mm-hmm. on the stage I look at the AFC North as the group of death. World Cup time, we always talk about the group of death where there's four teams and you're like, somebody's going to go home sorry. Maybe two teams going home sorry. How can the Browns be the surprise team? They got to make sure that Deshaun is better than one of those other quarterbacks in the group of death teams, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Steelers. It's a tough challenge. Can you be better than Joe Burrow? Can you be better than Lamar Jackson? The Browns need it out of Deshaun.
5: Yeah, without a doubt. You know, despite finishing last in the division, they actually have a really good roster. When you look at offense, obviously you have Watson, you have Chubb, uh, you have Cooper, you have uh, Moore, and that offense is pretty good. They just have to open up the pass game a little more. On defense, you add guys like Dalvin Tomlinson and Juan Thornhill to a really solid defensive front, defensive secondary, you know, with Greg Newsome, with uh, Denzel Ward, and so on paper, they're a good team. Yeah. Now they have to compete in, like you said, a tough, tough division. Uh, And it's going to take their all. And the guys have to stay on the field, have to stay healthy, and be ready to go.
6: Yeah, I think guys have to stay healthy, stay on the stay on the field, and be available. But I also think Coach Stefanski needs to get the defense together. You know, last year was no secret about the uh, Garrett and Clowney situation. You now I think Coach really needs to get that defense together, get guys together, create a clear hierarchy, and um, let everybody understand that and just move on.
4: Here's the thing: when we talk about, it, I feel like it's almost like they're forgotten in the sense of they're off the the radar because of maybe Cam, to your point, of, of who else is in that division. This is a team. When we ask what do they have to do, maybe the answer is is not a not. Not a lot in the sense of I don't know that they're as far off as the perception is about them. If you look at what they did in their division a year ago, they went three and three. They went 3-0 and at home, so maybe what they need to do is win a division game or two on the road. That's where they struggled last year. They went 0-3 in those games. And then, yes, it all does come down to Deshaun Watson, and I think most people believe you're going to see a different Deshaun Watson now with everything in his past and being able to step into the season week one. But with the run game they have, does Deshaun Watson have to play insanely lights out to be successful? Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they're just right outside the top five in almost all of those rushing Categories And so a little bit, you know, give the ball to those guys. Let them do what they do best. And I know that Deshaun has to play better than what we saw last year. Certainly the contract necessitates that. But then when you look, again, at some of the guys and the pieces he has around them, it's not this leap. I don't think it's the leap that people think, that it's got to be this incredible, insane leap to get them um, into the hunt because I think the pieces are there.
3: The pieces are there, but the reality is you pay Deshaun Watson and that much money, yeah. he can't be a piece yeah. of it. He has to be the reason. Nick Chubb's going to be Nick Chubb, yeah. right? But if you're competing against Joe Burrow, you're competing against Lamar Jackson, those dudes are going to be the dudes for their team, even though they have supporting pieces. We need to see that out of Deshaun. He has a lot of pressure on him this offseason to – Regardless of what happened off the field, you pay a guy that money, he has to show up. But I want to go back to you, Malik. You you said something interesting about the chemistry Mm -hmm. uh, of this team. You played on this team in 2021. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a little insight of maybe what that – what it is playing with the Miles Garrett, a Jadavion Clowney, and what that,
6: what you remember from your time there. Um, yeah, I just think you have two first-round picks, you know, guys that want to come in. You know, for me, being on different teams, I was able to understand that. When you go to a new team, it's this guy's team. You know, mm-hmm. you have to really take a step back and understand who, what the hierarchy is and, who, who says what goes, you know? So I think that's what needed to be done. I think, you know, Miles was a young player. So, you know, his maybe leadership skills weren't the best at that time, but I think as he's gotten older, he understands what it takes. He's had a lot of guys around him to be able to show him what he needs to do. And I think he needs to take that bull by the horns and just uh, lead more by example, as far as in the uh, classroom, you know, cause we all know what he can do on the field, but to be able to go in the classroom, command that respect and tell guys what to do, I think is where he really needs to take that jump.
3: What were those conversations like in 21 like you're on that defensive line room you know you yeah. you, you have Miles Garrett who's this incredible talent but it's hard to make everybody else around you better right
6: yeah, it is. You know, it's one of those things. Some guys just don't have it when they, you know what I mean? Especially when you have, say, a me and Gidda clown and You have older guys in the room that can't take that, you know, but the younger guys are going to respect the guys that they want to be like. And so when Miles, you know, he can sit in the front and relax and do his thing, you know, but when guys are looking at him, you know, they want to do that, you know, but then you have an older guy saying, no, you can't do that, do this. You know, I think he just needs to be able to transition and be more of that, like, okay, I'm going to play the game and, and do this and do that, even though I might not want to, but I know, understand these guys are looking at me, and I think that's the jump he needs to take. So when you mentioned that, I think, about your, your 2015 Broncos team that you mm-hmm. won a Super
3: Bowl with. You had a guy like DeMarcus Ware mm-hmm. who was that leader for Von Miller, for mm-hmm. the rest of you guys. Like, if you don't have a DeMarcus Ware, mm-hmm. can a guy become that?
6: Like, can you see a Miles Garrett become that for the young players I think so because of the other rooms that he has. Um, but it is hard, and you are right. You know, Luckily, I did have a DeMarcus where even a Kevin Vickerson and a um, Robert Ayers that took me under their wing and allowed, show me what it was about. Because you know, when you guys get in the league, you have those horror stories where they're like, oh, they're going to tell you the wrong play or teach you not teach you the right things. And luckily, I was with a group of guys that were altruistic and very cool and just uh, wanted me to be great. And um, I think once you have that, that, that helps a lot. But I think you can learn it. It just might take a little time, and I think that's what we're seeing now.
4: It feels like so often on this show we measure teams against other teams in the sense of right now as Kansas City Chiefs. They're the benchmark. That's what everyone's chasing. But I feel like the Bengals are put up there. We talk about Joe Burrow it, with that same sentiment. We talk about the Eagles, the Niners. But I want to go back to Joe Burrow. They beat that. The The Browns beat them mm-hmm. on Halloween, mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football, soundly. It was 32-13. to 13. So, mm-hmm. again, I go back to I'm not sure, you know, somebody can have an off night. Like, we get that. But I'm not sure a team that doesn't have talented players, that doesn't have those pieces in place – pulls that off and that was I, th- I believe without Deshaun Watson so yeah. I mean that's what that team could do without Deshaun Watson even on the field and they've got the surrounding pieces Kim you said that this uh feels like the the group of death to you in terms of the division I don't know if I I, I don't know if I would go with this division because I have another one in mind. Julian what do you think
5: <laughs> group of death uh I think this is a tough division I mean I think you look at the quarterbacks, you, you, you see all that they have. Um, the, each defense in that division is very tough as well. You know, gotta mention the defenses. I don't know, there's a few divisions out there that are tough. I think the NFC North should be interesting this year because of, there's some teams on the rise like the Lions, the Bears are reshaping, Minnesota obviously had a great record last year, and Green Bay will be different. Yeah. But talk about up and coming established teams. I mean, the AFC North, Looks really good it on does. paper. I mean, it's going to be a battle for sure. And those games, like you said, Browns went 3 and 3, finished last in the division. Yep. It's pretty open right now. These close games that we all know, like down, down the stretch of the season, it gets, you know, any team can win any day, no matter what each team has available for that game. Uh, and so I'm excited to see how it goes down the stretch.
4: I only, when you said that, I thought AFC East. Uh, So AFC East is, yeah. I mean, we might be splitting hairs on what's the most difficult, uh, but that's what I was thinking when you said that.
3: So you could tell me if I'm wrong. Can there be two groups of deaf? Or is there only one group of deaf?
4: It's just a... Maybe we should, like, get away from that. Like, saying it that way, like, it just sounds the harsh.
6: When you say group of death, I think we're thinking about the Roethlisberger days. Yeah. You know, like, th- those old days, and you truly have those good teams. I think with the reshaping of all these teams and new quarterbacks and new coaches coming in, I don't I don't know if I see it like that. I think it's four teams that are just very close, evenly matched. And, yeah. you know, whoever doesn't lose the most goes, you know. So, well, the Bengals have been doing well. But, yeah, you know, I, I really think it's just... Just, just so group of death, I hear you, but I, I don't know. So, so let me ask
3: you this. You mentioned the Roethlisberger days. Obviously, he was the guy mm-hmm. in that division, the, the one everybody was afraid of. Mm-hmm. Who are you more afraid of in this division? You've got Joe Burrow. you got Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett. Which quarterback makes you guys most afraid? I guess Julian, you playing, and Malik, <laughs> you used to play. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I'm going to say this. No quarterback is making me afraid. (laughs) Right answer. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh,
4: Okay, who do you want to least get, who who do you least want to go against this Sunday?
5: uh, Man, I think, you know, we played him last year uh, with the Giants. Uh, Lamar Jackson is just, he's a beast. He's a different beast, you know, with with him. Throwing the ball with him, you don't want to see him in open field. Uh, I had to pay that price, uh, you know, eat some uh, salt on that Mm -hmm. one. Um, But. This, I mean, yeah, these quarterbacks are all tough and everyone brings something different to the table. The game's changing. Obviously, Joe Burrow is just playing out of his mind. Lamar's up there, Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. Pickett's on his way. I mean, (laughs) I'll, I'll pick Pickett. Uh, he's the one I would be want- wanting to face. Um, <laughs> exactly. So he's the, so to be clear, he's the, the yeah, fourth, the not least. the first. <laughs> gotcha. yeah, right. the I, I would you know choose because the other guys are yes. well, established. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, they're established. Pickett's on his way. He's going. Right. He's he's rising each year. He's taking a step up in his game and his game's adapting. But I gotta pick him because he has the least experience. I feel like out of the three. Yeah.
6: So if Pickett's four is Lamar one for you, then. Lamar will be one for me. Okay. What about you, Malik? Same here, Lamar. I remember when we were playing against the Eagles, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got a sack. we the straight at him. And he just, next thing I know, I'm looking up, and uh, he's <laughs> yeah. down there. So I think the athleticism of Lamar, um, his passing, the way he's gotten better, the chemistry with his teammates, and he got that big deal, I think he's going to want to show out now.
3: I think it's interesting we got two defenders that say Lamar's Lamar, still the guy Lamar, that yeah. when you game plan... It's, you know, number
4: eight. Uh, We were talking, was it even yesterday? We were like, maybe the Ravens aren't getting the due that Mm -hmm. they deserve in terms of people. Like, they've sort of been quiet since Lamar signed that contract. Still to come on GMFB. Will the Giants show Saquon the money, or will the Pro Bowl Running back, hold out. We are going to break down the specifics later on.
3: Plus, we know all about some of the top defensive backs in the league, but which DBs are deserving of more respect? Julian Love will give us his top three next.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
5: Yesterday I gave some much-deserved love to my guy, Quandre Diggs, and clearly he agrees that he's not getting as much respect as he should. With that in mind, Cam and I thought it would be a perfect time to break down our top three underrated defensive backs in the league right now with another edition of Three on Three. Let's do it. Each of us are going to reveal our top three current DBs who deserve more respect. Kicking off my list at number three is Mr. Hoka himself, Mr. Bald Man, James Bradbury. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you hear a lot of love about the guy on the other side of the field, and Darius Slay. He's one of the best players in the game, uh, one of the best DBs in the game right now. And you don't hear as much about Bradbury. He's one of the best shutdown corners in the league. Now, since he got in the league, has had the most pass defense. I, that's just an underrated set. Obviously you Slay, it, you see Slay at two, but Bradbury's right there at number one. And people don't talk about him in the respect that they should. He's a guy who has competed uh, for multiple teams now. He was a baller with the Panthers, he was a baller with the Giants, and now he's balling for for the Eagles, and he got his money. So,
3: so when I hear James Bradbury, I think about the quiet consistency. Look at this list. Two Eagles, two Dolphins, uh, now very, very consistent cornerback play. Um, for me, I'm going to start off number three with a small guy, a slot corner, because they often get forgotten, Mike Hilton mm. from the Cincinnati Bengals. And here's why I'm going to go with Mike Hilton, because this is a guy who's always been told he is too small. He is not good enough. But every time he has the a moment to step up, he does. He has the most tackles of any cornerback out of the slot over the last six years, most, at 5'9". And he is a guy for the Cincinnati Bengals who has helped this turnaround tremendously. I've been in the locker room and he talked about being a Pittsburgh Steeler and looking at the Cincinnati Bengals as maybe the little brother then. Then he goes over to the Cincinnati Bengals and helps make them big brother mm. of that the AFC North that we were just talking about. He is not afraid to go against you if you're 6'2", if you're 5'9". He had a lot of fun battles against the Chiefs this year where he had, you know, some talking. He was the guy who made the head comment that uh, ended up being proved, proven wrong. But he, he wants something to say about the Chiefs this year. And Mike Hilton is really a big part of the heart of the Cincinnati Bengals. So he's my number
5: three. I love that pick. Slot corners need more love. Uh, you heard it here. Yes. A great absolutely. pick. Uh, <laughs> with my number two pick, I'm going with a guy who came out swinging his rookie season in Seattle. Yes. Mr. Tariq Woolen. You know, you hear a lot of love about, you know, the guy on the East Coast, the rookie mm-hmm. who's balling. Sauce, who had a great year. Let's take it all the way out to the Pacific Northwest, uh, now where I'm at. Uh, Tariq Woolen had a killer uh, rookie season. You know, the guy's 6'3". He runs a four two seven. Being around him these past couple months, he's probably the freakiest athlete I've ever been around. And it shows why he can run with the Tariq Hills of the world. Mm-hmm. Why, he, why he can guard, you know. He's on our team, uh, the, the Mike Evans, the DK Metcalf, the, the guys who have more size because he has that. He, he got, he's a guy who has it all in one. He led the league last year in picks, tied for six. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, he had four straight games with a pick from week three to week six. That's incredible, especially as a rookie. Yes. Getting those mistakes out early, playing at a high level early, that says a lot about him. Man, I can feel your excitement, man. You get to play <laughs> with Tariq Woolen this year. Uh, yeah. He balled out.
3: Fifth round pick a fifth round pick that's doing that I I bet some Seahawks fans felt a little bit of Legion of Boom vibes with Mm. Richard Sherman there it's too early (laughs) but you start to see that early potential, this place knows how to draft DBs for sure number two on my list, I'm taking things down to South Beach, going with the Dolphin Snowman, Javon Holland, and this is Mm. a guy who has been on on my radar for a long time uh, coming off his second season what stands out about Javon Holland when you talk to coaches around the league, offensive coordinators, they say every time we turn on a we see number eight, whether it's in the slot, whether it's deep, whether it's in the box. He is the guy you have to worry about on the Dolphins' defense because he can pop in your lane and really ruin your game plan. He had games where he just literally took over. He plays with a sort of energy, a fire, a versatility that it won't be long before he's considered among the top three, top five safeties if he's not already there. And so that Dolphins' secondary has Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard, but you guys need to know Javon Holland's name as well.
5: Oof, that secondary is going to be something special for sure. With my number one pick, most underrated defensive back in the league right now, I'm going Jalen Petrie. Okay. You know, this guy had a crazy rookie season and no one was talking about him. I think it's because of the lack of success the the Texans had, Uh, but this guy had 145 tackles and five picks. I'm going to repeat that. 145 tackles and five picks. That's unheard of. That's unreal. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's a rookie. And he was a rookie doing this was was amazing. He was coming down uh, off the post. He was playing in the box. This guy was in all the action. I loved watching his film. And as I was tracking my stats throughout the year, every couple of weeks, I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this rookie down in uh, Houston balling? Yes. And he finished the year. I mean, he's one of three players since 2000 with 140 tackles, at least 140 tackles and at least five picks in the season, one of three, mm-hmm. since 2000, that's right. unreal. And he needs more credit, he's my most underrated DB, gotta give love to a safety, and so that's my guy you look at some of these highlights, you see him bringing the hit stick. Mm -hmm. You see him picking off balls. You see him making big tackles.
3: You're right. Jalen Petrie, man, people are going to know his name Mm -hmm. very soon. D'Amico Ryans can help take him to the next level. Uh, Number one for me, I've got to go down to Atlanta and get A.J. Terrell. I don't know why this guy is not mentioned on top cornerback lists. Maybe it's what you were mentioning earlier because he's quiet. You know, quiet guys Mm -hmm. typically don't get as much love as the loud guys. But A.J. Terrell, since 2021, has allowed the fewest yards of any cornerback in the entire league with at least 100 targets. So this is a guy who, when you look at the numbers, maybe he doesn't have the pick numbers, but when you look at how many yards going against him, A.J. Terrell has been a, a, a dark cloud for receivers, for quarterbacks. You are not getting anything off of him. He's a guy who has 50.7 completion percentage when thrown against him. And really, you don't worry about him. He's on his own island, Terrell Island out there in Atlanta. And so, uh, AJ Terrell is a guy that you guys should very much know. And here is our list right here. You got Julian's list. He's got Jalen Petrie, Tari- Tariq Woolen, and James Bradbury. I love that list. And then me, AJ Terrell, Javon Holland, Mike Hilton. These are guys that y'all need to know their names. Put some respect
5: on their name. <laughs> what do you guys think?
4: Cam, I got a question for you. Um, and you sort of touched on this. And when Julian put up about the passes defense, and you see the two Dolphins there, if Holland was on another team, would we all know his name? Absolutely. Or so? Absolutely. I mean, some of this is a product of him being underrated, is like super. Superstar. Guys yeah. on that unit with him, right?
3: Look at some of the teams we have up here. We yeah. have Houston, we have Atlanta, we have Miami. You know, a lot of these teams have consistently not been uh, a contender, and so a lot of times you're in the South, you're you're not a team that's making the playoffs consistently. You don't get the love or the notoriety as a, a, a Philadelphia Eagle or a Kansas City Chief or a Buffalo Bill, right? And so a lot of these guys, some of it's market, and some of it's these guys are young. We have yeah. young players: Jalen Petrie, Tariq Woolen, mm-hmm. uh, Javon Holland. These are guys who are all, A.J. Terrell, all guys 25, 26 or under, and so it's it's just a matter of time for a couple of these dudes.
5: Yeah, those are the two key factors, uh, age and market as well as a lot of these guys are quiet guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I what? we just <laughs> talked
4: about that this is the group that wants to trash talk the most.
5: I know. That's what you hear. <laughs> and that's, we found the non-trash talk. Those <laughs> <are> the <names laughs> about. I want to – you got to pull up some tape about uh, James Barry talking because that man does not talk at all, but he knows ball. And these guys have been productive. They've been balling. And, yeah, they're not the most outspoken guys. Mm-hmm. I have a little more love for the quiet guys, uh, the introverted guys. Yeah. Uh, but they're ballers. And so they need some more love. Start talking about them because they won't gas themselves up.
3: I love it. Julian Love says these guys need some more love. He wasn't, he did, we didn't put himself on the list, but he deserves some love as well. Uh, one of the more underrated DBs in the league and watch later on in this show, we're going to talk about our favorite all time DBs. And so I can't wait to tell you mine. Julian's got a good one as well.
4: Welcome back to Good Morning Football. Saquon Barkley has until 4 o'clock on Monday to sign his franchise tender or a long-term deal. Yesterday, Pro Football Talk reported that the Giants extended Saquon an offer before applying the franchise tag worth $13 million per year, but Barkley turned that down in hopes of, quote, Christian McCaffrey money, which would be in the range of $16 million a year. Saquon then responded via Twitter with two cap emojis. According to Gen Z, that means Saquon says the report is untrue is, is this true julian you're laughing i, I mean i don't know yeah um, that's true somebody's got to decipher it for us it leaves a, a lot up to interpret. Is, is that what that means
5: yeah gen z uh, approves of that yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. that's the correct that's, that's the correct, the correct, correct.
4: description all right, all right time is running out for the two parties to reach a long-term deal so if it doesn't happen saquon can only play on the tag for the 2023 season guys how important is it for the giants to get a long-term deal done with him cam
3: It's very important. Uh, Saquon Barkley is the Giants. You know, they just paid Daniel Jones $40 million a year. But the reality is Saquon Barkley has been one of the best running backs in the league. Not only a running back, a guy that's effective in the pass game as well. Look at his offensive touches last year. His first year in a while where he's been fully healthy. Third in the league in offensive touches. And we also have another graphic just to show how much of his offensive share is that we'll show later. But I'll look here and you just see how much he's set to be paid. He's seventh behind six other running backs and what his salary is going to be. And so when you see him saying, hey, I want a little bit more, I understand that. But the reality is the NFL has not shown that they care much about running backs recently. Nobody is having an easy time in the running back market getting more money. And so uh, I can hate it, Running backs can hate it, but it seems that reality is they're going to give him what they feel their value is. Um, But I'm telling you what, if they get rid of Saquon, if they lose Saquon, this team dramatically declines. And so uh, we're going to see truly the value of Saquon if they let him play the franchise tag and hit free agency next year.
4: Julian, you know this guy better than any of us up here. What does he mean to this Giants team?
5: Yeah, I mean, I've seen it firsthand the past four years. He's battled adversity all while having the the franchise on his shoulders. He's, when you look in the in the crowd at, at MetLife, you see 26 jerseys, it's it's him. Saquon is the face of the organization. And yeah, the market's tough. That's the reality of, of what's happening. But he is the team and he, I think if you look at those player comps, you look at that top list of the runback money, he is in the conversation without yeah. a doubt. You yeah. saw this past year, we were successful as a team with the Giants because he was vibing, he was flowing, he was playing, you know, his butt off and this guy is the most competitive person I know you know whether it's practice whether it's games uh whether it's ping pong in the locker rooms (laughs) whether it's golf which you have to see me on uh, uh we need that rematch uh this guy you know he's competitive and he just wants to be fairly compensated, and I think he has a claim. Obviously, the market's tough, so we'll see how it shakes out. I think it's
6: like you said. The market's tough, and I also think it's availability. You know, he got hurt, I think, the last two years or last year, mm-hmm. uh, just came back last year. So it's one of those things he just needs to show his value. Um, like you said, the market is hard. I think there's some good running backs out there that he needs to think about in free agency if he doesn't make the decision that the team wants to make. So um, some real decisions he needs to make. I know the money's not where he wants it to be, but, uh, you know, the market tells you what you're worth.
4: Yeah, and unfortunately, it has been a tough going for running backs. Dalvin Cook is still out there. I was looking at the numbers between Cook and Saquon. Saquon's slightly better, but they're very comparable. I think Saquon had two more touchdowns than Dalvin, and Dalvin's out there. Coming up, it was a down year for Kyler Murray in 2022, but can he still find success in Arizona? We got answers next.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.
4: 2022 was a season full of downs and not many ups for Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. The biggest blow coming in the form of a season-ending torn ACL in Week 14. Kyler has been rehabbing, and he spoke about the injury for the first time on the upcoming Flight Plan podcast. In that podcast, he said, quote, it's got to be a positive. There really is no option for it to be a negative. The whole last year was and that's an expletive right there. Uh, it happened for a reason. The things we weren't doing weren't sustainable for success. It was necessary. And in turn, good will come out of what happened. Murray sounds upbeat, motivated. Uh, he has to be because what other direction can you go in? Given the track record, the team's track record, it's, it's been a struggle the last couple of years. Can Kyler Murray ultimately find success in Arizona? Julian.
5: Yeah, I think he can. I think he has to stay available, obviously. He has to limit his hits. I think he's a guy who puts a lot on his body, and adding hits from guys the size of you is, is not something that's advantageous for him. And so, yeah, I think he could find success. You know, now being in the NFC West <laughs> with the Seahawks, I want him to have success up until when he plays <laughs> up. I got to put that There's out there. There's two specific days yeah. that you're hoping for an off <laughs> There's game. two times in the year, exactly right, that we're trying to limit his success everywhere possible. But like you see on the tape, he his high end, his his, his ceiling is very high. When he's playing at a high level, when he's efficient, this guy is lights out. Uh, and then, yeah, when he, you know, has battled some adversity, uh you know, getting hit and trying to figure things out with his team and the chemistry. Obviously, that's the low side of things, and so I think he can find that success this year.
3: I say for me, it's going to be uphill battle for Kyler. Uh, the reality is he's, he's super talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but the questions we've heard over the last year have been about, is he enough of a leader? Is he, you know, studying the level you heard uh, one of his former teammates, Kelvin Beecham said, Hey, maybe he needs to grow up a little bit. And I don't know if that's what I love to hear about my, my franchise quarterback who is, you know, making at the time, the second most guaranteed cor- money of any other player in the league. And so um I think that this is a very important season and next two seasons for Kyler Murray. When you look at what they paid him, what they committed to him, it's hard to get somebody to change after you've paid them, right? And so uh, is he what he currently is good enough? Is he is is who he is? Like injuries aside, when he's on the field, he's got to maximize his talent, but that talent is special. I still remember the last time I saw Kyler Murray up close. It was a week one game in 2021. He was playing the Tennessee Titans and the Titans were hyped up that year they were coming off a AFC championship game they went and got Julio Jones they were going to be this team and then Kyler Murray just turned into him like he was the guy that, that you were like dude this guy's a video game type player. I remember looking over to the left, to the right. I'm like, did Kyler just do something crazy again? He had five touchdowns that day, over 300 yards, showed just all the talent that made him number one overall. And I'm like, this guy's going to be MVP this year. He started to tail off of the back end of the season, and then in 2022 he got hurt, and then some of those question marks came out. And so talent is not the question for me. It's can you lift a team that right now is going through a huge rebuild and be the franchise quarterback they paid you to be?
6: Well, I think you guys are Lot on his plate you know to say can he be what you just asked a franchise quarterback well first he needs to make sure he go out there and play right you know a lot of the film we saw was him stopping going making guys look silly can he do that after coming out of a torn acl i don't know you know and it's one of those things quarterback you can't get two plays come out see how you feel and get back in there it's one of those things you got to be in the game all day and, you know, as defensive guys, if I see that quarterback limping a little bit, oh, that's handoff all day. So Mm -hmm. then everybody starts creeping up a little bit and starts playing that run game a lot. So I think he's going to have to show a lot more. And, um, you know, fortunately he wasn't able to show how much of a leader he could be. Still having questions, but it's going to be a lot harder when um, he's out there trying to do things in his mind, you know, because I had a torn, uh, excuse me, I had a Liz Frank injury in my foot. And the first year you come back, it's just like, can I do it? Do I feel good? Is this, Do I? you know, it's just a lot of things going in your head. And uh, it's going to take some time to get over that. And I just don't know if he has the time to really answer all those questions without just putting a foot on the tank or gas and just going for it and seeing what happens.
4: It's really a two-fold situation there because there's all the things that you were talking about, Cam, and, and the criticism he's gotten off the field and being leader. But now you've got a, an injury that you have to come back from that Sweet. is not the easiest to come back from in terms of the length of time it takes. There's no real speeding that thing up. No. So he went out week 14 with that ACL injury. We don't know exactly where his timeline is in terms of being back. We, we don't know when we'll see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you last year in Tampa Chris Godwin, I don't want to say rushed back, but they didn't know when he was going to back. Gets back for week one. But it wasn't until halfway through the season that he was like, yeah, I'm finally feeling, look, he could go out there and he could be productive and he could play and he did all those things. But it takes a while with an ACL to feel a hundred percent and now you're a very special player that does very specific things and you can do them with your legs and I, it's very unrealistic to expect when Kyler Murray gets back from his ACL whenever that whenever that moment is that he's going to be the Kyler Murray we're used to seeing so I think it's a it's a two-pronged situation because then he also has to answer to other things and and you brought up um, what did you say when you said I don't know if that's what you want to hear about your quarterback in terms of being a yeah, leader yeah
3: Kelvin Beecham is, is offensive tackle former offensive tackle essentially said hey Maybe he needs to grow up a little bit, right? But
4: here's the thing. You said, I don't know if you want to hear that about your quarterback. You're right, but I think Kyler Murray has heard all of that. Yes. And if Kyler Murray is the competitor that I think a lot of people think that he is... I would think, you know, you talked about, well, once you've already gotten the contract, I would think that there's got to be a fire burning yeah. to prove people wrong, to show them that this is not who I am. Um, he's he's taken criticism. And so if I'm Kyler Murray, right, like he wants to get back on the field. He wants to be healthy. And I I would feel like I want to prove people wrong. And I think that the Cardinals have to hope that that's the Kyler Murray they get. And, and to your point, when I was doing sideline games and, and I would be, like, I mean, as close as you can be without playing – there was nobody that was more exciting for me to watch up close was Kyler because it was, like, you talked about Lamar Jackson sort of mm-hmm. juking you at one point. Kyler just doesn't it. it's it's like, almost like a sleight of hand. He's yes. doing stuff with such ease, and you don't even, like, realize what he just did until, like, you, you catch up, like, a couple seconds later. Yeah. And so just up close and personal, he has been my favorite quarterback to watch – like up close, the stuff that he can pull out of nowhere and the way he does it in such an effortless manner. Um, I do think the ACL situation, it changes what you can do, not, not permanently, but your return is not your self at 100%. And um, I can say that as someone who's also torn an ACL, and you just you're just not totally back. When you get back. Well,
6: my question is, when did ACL start being four or five months injuries? You know, oh, they used it, to be a it, lot it's, it's usually longer. Usually yeah. a year, nine to twelve, you know, right? So yeah. usually when a guy tears at fourteen, week fourteen, you're like, well, we're not going to see him till week 14, 16. So probably not for another year. So I, I, you know, when a guy like that, I just, you know, I I know what he wants to do, what you want to come out and do, but I just don't understand when these injuries started getting so short, where you got to go out there and. Yeah, it's, it's interesting.
5: Yeah, we understand like the physical of what he can do, of what he needs to work through. I think you kind of hit on the head a little bit with the mental side of it. Yeah. He's been facing adversity. People have been talking down on Kyle Murray for years now for, you know, his his life off the field and what he does in his spare time, his leadership on the field. I think that as a player, you have to attack your mental game and really understand yourself. The low end of that is he has that anxiety. He feels a certain way. Uh, he, you know, he struggles with that and, or lets the outside talk get to him. And the high side of it is he puts that chip on his shoulder, he battles back, he has good people in his circle to help him in a tough time. You know, it's a lonely time when you're recovering oh, yeah. from an injury. It's yeah. extremely Whoa. lonely. Yeah. And so if he has that close circle around him that can help him and push him forward, I think he can be successful. And so I really hope this offseason he's taken advantage of all his mental tools and resources that his friends and the team has provided him.
3: No, I think that's a great point, Julian. Like, I, I, when Sarah was mentioning the chip on the shoulder, I'm like, I hope so, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kyler's so excited. I hope he returns to being one of those top five, seven quarterbacks that he was, you know, a couple of years ago because the league is better because of it. But I, I kind of wanted to turn it to you guys because you guys have been in NFL locker rooms. There's different leadership styles for quarterbacks and there's no right or wrong way right Kyler has a different style right um what have what have you seen from maybe your quarterback in the locker room and what what's your preferred style how do you deal with guys who maybe aren't as vocal or expressive
6: i mean for me you know when i've come from guys when you have peyton manning in your locker room very vocal very consistent tells you what he wants and he expects you to get it done and then i go to jacksonville you have a blake Bortles, somebody that's maybe just cool laid back just wants to do his job go out there so it's, for me, it's not so much like to um, Kelvin Beecham point. I know Kelvin, great guy. But I think you have to understand, first of all, he's probably, Kelvin's what? 35, four kids and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Kyler's a young kid. You know, I think it's just the age difference might be a thing. But I think you just got to really look at yourself as a player, right? Your quarterback doesn't need to be the one who run. I don't play offense, so, you know, we have a linebacker, say. But as defense, we understand I need to get my job done. You know what I mean? That's what I need to do. So I don't think there's a specific way the quarterback needs to be. He just needs to go out there and do his job. And that's why I'm a little um, hesitant on Kyler Murray because coming out there and you're the one making plays and making people guess and extending plays for a minute, can you do that with the tornado seal recovery? I don't know, and with the mental part, I just don't know if he's gonna be able to, you know, when you go home, you sit down, you, you hear the noise. You know, we all try to block it out. You try not to watch yeah, Everyone
4: says they block it out, you know, but,
6: but... Nah, when yeah. you're sitting there at home and you're reading it and you know what's going on, you're rubbing your knee, it's like, ah, and you gotta go do it 15 more times, it's like, mm.
5: Yeah, uh, I've had three quarterbacks. I've had Eli Manning, I have Daniel Jones, and I had now Geno Smith. Eli was very stoic. He wasn't as vocal, but he was a guy who led by example. He was first one in, first one out, and he passed it on to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is the first one in, last one out, so he's always in the building. Probably right now he's in the building. And so that's how Daniel was. And so you, like, he might not be talking much. But you see, he's putting in the work. He cares about what we're doing. And then Gino just has that swagger and the confidence. He's talking in the locker room. He's he's more vocal. Mm-hmm. He, you know, everybody watched Gino Smith growing up, uh, or at least I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and, and did you start
4: your introduction to Gino that way? I watched you growing up, man. You in the league.
5: He's uh, like that. Oh, <laughs> only 32. What are you? Saying? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but, and So everyone has. Lead. I've had three quarterbacks who have done it differently, but all can present themselves as an effective leader just by their style.